Good morning, good day, or good evening. My name is Eli Rowe, and this is the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast. Happy anniversary, everybody. This is the anniversary episode of the Middle-Aged Witch Podcast, and I am so excited I could just spit. I can't even tell you what a year this has been. This has gone from nothing, literally no listeners, just me speaking into the void, into a really beautiful cohesive community in one short year. I came into this with no expectations, really, certainly no idea what this little project would become or what it would mean to me, and I'm beside myself with gratitude for the way that you all have welcomed me into your weekly routines, and I have made some really valuable friendships here, and whatever else may come of this, I have been immeasurably blessed and I thank you from the very bottom of my heart. I'm also excited to finally announce officially that the website middleagedwitch.com is live. This has been a labor of love and thank you specifically to Danny, Candice, Ithil, Rose, Jennifer, Fern, Kim, and Angie for all of your help and feedback and support. You ladies are the real deal. The website is up and running with the forums, yes, but also podcast transcripts. There are additional posts with extra information that doesn't make it to the podcast for one reason or another. Um, Videos, pictures, and links to live events will also be posted on the site. And I've taken the plunge as well, and I've joined TikTok. I don't know how long I'm going to last over there before the realize that I'm too old to post and delete my account, but go ahead and find me before it's too late. I'll be posting assorted spell work, etc. And um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, It's awkward for me to put myself forward in a more visible way. And it's kind of hard for me to even admit that. But look, I've got to be transparent about things. I don't perform here. This is as authentic as it can be. So, you know, if I seem a little stiff and uncomfortable at first, please just understand that it's only because I am in fact stiff and uncomfortable, (laughs) but that's okay. I'm not on this earth just to be comfortable all the time. But anyway, let's start this episode with an email. Um, This witch actually just had some really solid advice for anyone who may be struggling with meditation, and I wanted to pass this along. Uh, She writes, I have been trying to incorporate more meditation into my life. It's hard. I have ADHD, so even when I'm medicated, it's hard to get my brain to slow down and become still enough to meditate. My daughters and I went to a holistic fair a couple weekends ago, and at one of the booths, someone was selling candles, and I bought the earth candle because it smelled divine. I also bought a bunch of crystals and my first oracle deck. Well, this last weekend, I was in my craft room where I have my altar and I was arranging everything. I cleansed the crystals and put them out to charge in the full moon last week, and I thought I would light the candle because it smelled really good. It's sort of a joke in the ADHD community that people with ADHD love fire, but it really is true. I was sitting there organizing, and when I was done, I just sat there for a few minutes because I didn't want to leave the altar. I was comfortable, and my spirit felt peaceful. Sitting there, I began to focus on the flame and ended up meditating for a while and didn't struggle with focus. I have since incorporated a candle anytime I sit down to meditate and it has really helped. 
It's funny, I'm still so new to all of this, and there are things I just don't know that other people have been practicing that have been practicing don't even think about because it's second nature. One of those things is understanding that meditating isn't just that sit cross-legged on the floor, hands on knees, eyes closed type of thing, that it can be many different things to many different people. And if you need to have your eyes open and staring at a flame to meditate, then that is absolutely fine to do. I loved this because for a couple reasons. First of all, it's really good practical advice and also because she is completely correct. Look, there are a million ways to meditate, but the very best number one way to meditate is the one that works for you. So if having a focus point like a flame, like running water, um, having white noise in the background helps to quiet your mind, that is infinitely more important than holding lotus pose in total silence with your eyes closed, unless that is what works for you. So this was such a great message, and um, I'm disappointed in myself for not thinking of it. Um, And then there was another quick message from a witch with a really good bit of back-to-school advice, and I know everyone's headed back to the classroom soon if they haven't already, but I just thought this was really perfect. Um, Hi, Eli. I've been wanting to write about how much your podcast has helped me through a few huge transitions in the last year, but time is always short and I can be long-winded. In the meantime, I wanted to send a thank you for the episode on amulets and charms. I usually don't think of myself as an experienced witch. After pondering that episode, though, it hit me. I absolutely have been practicing for a very long time. In the midst of this new understanding of myself, my kiddo was prepping to go back to school. She had been angling for a poofy thing to attach to her backpack. She had seen one in Target, but it was a charger, and she needed a plain one with a clasp. It occurred to me the perfect way to practice a little witchcraft was to get her one and make it a protective charm. She's going to a new school this year and is worried about bullying. I worry about that and all the other million things parents worry about. We couldn't find the poofy thing, but we found a sweet little rose locket charm. Her middle name is Rose, so it was perfect. She worked on her own protective potion to spritz the charm with while we cleansed it in salt. I also added my own little spell, and off she goes to her first day of fourth grade. Um, I've attached pics because seeing her wearing my witchy hat, working on her potions, filled my heart. Thank you for all of your encouragement to practice with whatever we have available and just do the thing. (laughs) Yes, what a perfect way to use the power of charms and amulets. It's a low profile way to keep your magic close to you. It's subtle. It's exactly the kind of spell that even a very young witch can totally nail and it's so empowering. This witch did include pictures of her daughter working this charm and it was so beautiful to see this young witch taking matters into her own hands and knowing that she and her mom are working this magic together this sort of generational magic is unspeakably strong so thank you so much amy for sending that in and then quickly i also have one more very short message that i wanted to read from a witch in a situation that is a bit sticky Uh, Good morning, Eli. I have a situation, and I hope you could help, please. I came from a mentally and emotionally abusive home. Both parents were mentally ill but self-medicated. My mom just moved closer to me so I can take care of her. When I am with her, I am drained to the point of exhaustion, depressed, and angry. I did go back to therapy. I usually meditate and shield before seeing her, but it doesn't 100% work. 
Her constant stream of negative comments and belittling leaves me exhausted. Do you have any suggestions? I've started creating healthy boundaries, but she still needs my help. I am at a loss. Any advice is appreciated. Thank you. So in addition to the excellent methods this witch is already practicing, which she should definitely continue to use because grounding and meditation will continue to strengthen as we continue to practice them, I did suggest that she may need to put mom in a honey jar. This is a a method that takes a little time to build up because honey pours slowly after all, but it is also incredibly long lasting because honey never spoils. So I advised her to write mom's name on a scrap of paper, drop it into a small jar along with a personal concern of mom's, such as a bit of her hair or nail clippings, pour honey all over it, and then screw the lid on good and tight and tuck it away somewhere discreet in her own home and leave it alone. And I would also maybe get some reversal oil and just dab a little of that on um, anytime she heads over to mom's house just to help that negativity to rebound off of our witch. And you can buy reversal oils from an occult shop or you can make your own using cinnamon, uh, rue, and rose essential oils or by infusing olive or vitamin E oil with actual cinnamon, rue, and rose petals. A dab on the wrists or behind the ears is going to help our witch to be less affected by mom's nastiness. And this is not an easy burden to carry, but I do admire that this witch is willing to take care of her mother in this way. And I know this was very different advice to what I said previously to a witch who is intent on going totally no contact with her parents. I helped that witch with a banishing and I'm helping this witch with a honey jar. And I'm doing things differently because this witch is in a different place and we all have to navigate our familial relationships the way that works best for us. And there is no one size fits all solution in witchcraft. So with that said, let's look at numerology as a practice, as a tool, and figure out how to make it work for us. Um, So super short history lesson here. The term numerology is actually pretty new. It didn't even enter the lexicon until the early 1900s, but people have been practicing gematria for a few thousand years, and this is closely related to numerology. So gematria is the practice of assigning a numerical value to a name or a word or a phrase according to an alphanumerical cipher. A single word or phrase may have several values and therefore several meanings depending on which cipher is used to translate it. Um, And the rules, as it were, for gematria have never really been written down in a lasting form for us to study, first of all. And secondly, those rules did vary quite a bit according to the region, the original language, and the traditions of the people who are practicing it but a lot of ancients did use it. We find gematria in the Bible, in Kabbalah, um, the Greeks, the Babylonians, the Assyrians all used gematria in all kinds of ways, even down to the way that they constructed their buildings. But numerology is much more standardized and well, well documented. And it's been used by a lot of very successful people for a good long time in the modern era. Um, A former first lady, Nancy Reagan, famously consulted with a numerologist slash astrologer for years. This woman was on the payroll. 
um, the first lady relied on her for advice, for scheduling important meetings, even for the president's travel plans, things like that. Um, celebrities from, shoot, Walt Disney, um, Beyonce, have used numerology to define their destinies and to help them make the most of opportunities to great success. And when we think of numerology, we have to recognize how it intersects with other practices like astrology and tarot, for example, which also rely on an understanding of the significance of numbers. And this is not to say that, you know, people born on less auspicious days are going to suck and people born on lucky days are going to succeed. We can all either let the numbers work for us or against us. But we can't make the most of our opportunities unless we make an effort to understand how. And that's the purpose of this episode. This isn't going to be a masterclass in numerology because it's such a vast topic, but this will be a primer and I hope it encourages people to learn more. Now we have spoken many times of the significance that numbers hold in the tarot episode, you know, where we talked about what the numbers in the minor arcana represent, um, the omens episode, when we talked about angel numbers, uh, the astrology episodes, and so on. But this is because the universe and everything in it is made of and can be defined by numbers. So let's backtrack just a little bit and refresh ourselves on what we've said before. So in tarot, the minor arcana cards can be easily understood with a basic idea of what those numbers, 1 through 10, mean. So aces or ones represent potential and opportunity. Twos represent duality and balance. Threes represent communication and cooperation. And sometimes the uh, three cards will represent groups. Uh, fours represent stability and structure. Fives represent instability and often conflict. Sixes represent growth. Sevens represent knowledge and faith. Eights represent change and uh, also mastery or accomplishment. Um, nines mean that something is coming to fruition and then tens represent completion or something coming to an end. And when we are looking at our angel numbers, uh, repeating ones are a call to action, essentially. Uh, triple twos, this is a sign that whatever you've been trying to create is growing roots and is going to pay off. Threes mean that whatever is going to happen is going to happen. You've done your part, let the universe take it from here. Uh, repeating fours are a reminder that you are not alone, you don't have to do everything on your own. Uh, fives are a heads up that you know, the ride is about to get bumpy. <laughs> uh, sixes are a warning and a reminder to stay true to yourself and your ethics. You know, don't get caught up in false ideas of what's important. Um, and sevens are, of course, a message of good fortune, usually. Eights are a sign uh, that appear to us when everything is going perfectly and nothing can be improved, but it is also a notification that things are reaching a conclusion and it's time to figure out what's next. Nines, uh, this is the number of new beginnings. Something brand new is brewing and will present itself shortly. And then finally, repeating zeros are just a reminder of, you know, the wisdom of the universe, the wholeness of every living thing that exists now or has ever existed. So looking at that, we can see a little bit of overlap in the numerical significance between tarot and angel numbers, can't we? 
Um, and when we look into the magical correspondences of numbers themselves, we see even more parallels. Because in magic, one is the number of action, inspiration, optimism. Two is the number of balance, support, and dreams or visions. Three is the number of communication, much like in tarot. It's also crossroads and discipline. Fours, again, represent stability, protection, community. Fives are about cleverness, change, and very chaotic energy. Six uh, represents anxiety, but also wisdom and loyalty. Sevens tell us about intuition and secrets, also success. Eights bring abundance, justice, and karma, either good or bad. And then nines tell of new beginnings, but always after the end of something else. So we're going to keep all of that information in the back of our minds now as we start to look at numerology. <clears throat> now, look, I've read several books on the subject of numerology, but my hands-down favorite is called A Beginner's Guide to Numerology by Joy Woodward. It was just published only in 2019, I think, but it's such an easy read and it's got so much information in it that it's one that you're going to read over and over again. And it's one of those books that you'll end up using as a reference guide. And it goes through how to calculate all of the major important numbers in your own life. And it details how to make charts for yourself and others, which can be really helpful when you're dealing with anyone, but especially somebody that you're not vibing with. It can just give you a bit more insight into their character and where they're coming from. I mean, essentially, if you know somebody's birth date and their full, you know, government name, you can learn so much about them. <clears throat> but let's just focus on learning about ourselves for the time being. We can explore a lot about ourselves and we can find repeating numbers in our own numerology charts that are really significant to us. The main numbers that an individual will use to make their own numerology chart or chart for anyone really are known as the birthday number, the life path number, the destiny number, soul number, personality number, and attitude number. And sometimes some of those numbers will be the same and we can expect a lot more intensity having to do with what those specific numbers mean, but not always. And we don't have time to go through how to figure out all of those major numbers, but a simple Google search will tell you how. However, we are going to talk about how to calculate a couple of them and the basic process for getting those numbers, well, for getting all of those numbers works this way. Um, you, we start with a string of digits. For example, all of the numbers that make up our birth date, you know, the month, the day, and the year. We will add those individual digits together until we get a number, another, another number, and then we will add the individual digits of that number together until we get a single digit. So as an example, if your birthday is January 12th, 1975, we would add the numbers one for January, one and two for the 12th, and then one, nine, seven, and five for the birth year. Altogether, that gives us 26. Then we add the two and the six together to get a single digit, which is eight. So now, incidentally, this is known as your life path number, but that's how the math works on all of it. Numerology is really just a lot of adding of numbers, which yes, can be a little tedious, but there's just no more to it than that. Add only the numbers of the day of your birth to get your birthday number, which in our example, January 12th, is 12. 
one plus two is three, meaning that our birthday number would be three. We do the same thing to get our destiny number, which is calculated by adding up the digits of our full birth names and adding, adding those numbers together up again until we get that single digit. So in my first name, Eli, E is the fifth number, L is the ninth number, I is the twelfth number. So you would do that for your whole name. You would continue that process until you have all the numbers for your whole name and then add them again and again until you get that single digit. There are times when you won't reduce a number down to a single digit, but we just don't have time to get too deep in the weeds with that. But please either check out a book on numerology from the library or find a used copy, get all the details. This is one of those disciplines where the information is really simple enough that anyone, anyone can at least get a pretty decent handle on it. And then if you like it, it's easy to practice and become really proficient. Begin with people you know, um, and then celebrities, coworkers, anyone whose information is available to you to really start getting familiar with this process. Now, there's no way to get into all of those major significant numbers that we talked about, you know, the personality number, attitude number, but there is one number we can find that's very helpful to know. We are going to talk about finding our personal year and then what that means for us. And all of us can use this information. So get ready to do some basic addition here. In numerology, everything happens on a nine-year cycle. Major life events, big changes, all of that is on a nine-year cycle. Um, and there are nuances to that. But again, for the purposes of this little exercise, we aren't going to be focusing on the nuance. To find out what your personal year is, we need to find our attitude number, which just means add the number of your birth month to the number of your birth day, keeping adding those numbers together until we get that single digit. So January 12th would be one plus 12, giving us 13. And then we add the one and the three together to get four. Our example attitude number is four. And then to find our personal year, we simply add that to the current year, which right now is 2022. Two plus zero plus two plus two gives us six. So we add six, to our attitude number to get 10. <laughs> I, hope, I hope we're tracking. This is really a lot of numbers. January 12th is 1 plus 12, giving us 13. We add the 1 and the 3 together to get 4. So our attitude number is 4 in this example. And then we add that 2 to the current year, 2022, which is going to give us 10. 1 plus 0 is 1. So our personal year in this example is 1. So if anyone listening happens to have the birthday of January 12th, your personal year is year one. But you can do that with your actual birthday and, and figure out what personal year you are in. So what does it mean? What does personal year mean? Well, let's quickly look at what each personal year has in store. Now, year one, unsurprisingly, is the year of new beginnings. Think of the fool in tarot. So much possibility, so much confidence. This is a great time to set both short-term intentions as well as long-term intentions for the new nine-year cycle and really explore where we've been and what we hope to accomplish. If you are in year two, this is going to be a year where significant relationships are formed. These may be romantic relationships, familial relationships, meeting or getting more familiar with people who are going to be significant in the rest of this particular cycle. 
and new babies may join the family during this year. This is also going to be a year that tests your patience. You know, you might feel a little stymied after all of the whirlwind potential of year one, but it's important to relax and let things unfold. Year three is the year of communication and connections. So build your network if this is the year that you're in. Meet new people, join a book club, accept invitations. This will be a year in which you are likely to meet someone who will end up being very significant in your life. Maybe romantically, but more likely somebody who will become a dear friend. Think of um, the Three of Cups, which portends social events, collaboration, and big emotion. All the emotions, both positive and negative, are going to be larger than life during year three. So watch for that as well and don't let those emotions run amok. If you are currently in your personal year four, uh, you'll want to stay on top of the details and you'll want to make sure that you're not trying to get away with anything because you will be exposed. Year four is about discipline, focus, and staying inside the lines, so to speak. Shortcuts aren't going to pay off if you're in year four. And um, you'll wanna make sure that you're paying attention to your health and general maintenance. You know, Don't put off your oil change, make sure you're paying your taxes, get your teeth cleaned, all that. Year five, and incidentally, this is the year that I am currently in, is sort of the antithesis to year four. This is a year for trying something new. New job, new relationship, new hobby, traveling. Watch for someone new to come into your life that's going to open up possibilities and help you see opportunities. Year six will bring big changes to your family situation, and it's a year of growth, so it can most literally be a year when your family grows in some significant way. That growth can also be applied to education, so Uh, If you're in your sixth year and you're feeling drawn to further your education, this is a great year for it. The sixth card of tarot is the lovers, and you can't expect this to be an auspicious year for romantic relationships. But there's also a dark side to year six emotionally. So, you know, I don't like to fear monger, but this might be a year in which there's a difficult loss. Year seven kind of dovetails with that as a year when you're going to really want to take care of yourself emotionally. Meditation, therapy, yoga, exploring your spirituality, all of these things are going to help you navigate through this year and come out on the other side with a much more enlightened understanding of yourself and your place in the world. If you're in year eight, expect all of the effort and lessons of the previous years to come home to roost. You're in a unique position to apply those lessons to a new endeavor, a new business, a new job title, and you can expect significant changes in your financial situation, but this could be for better or worse. So keep a watchful eye on those finances and take a power position in your life. If you're thinking of making a major change and you're in year eight, you might consider doing it now. Now, year nine is a year of resolution. All of the lessons and struggles and highs and lows of the entire previous cycle are resolved in this year. This is a year for closure and for letting go of everything that you do not want to carry forward into the next cycle. This is not a great year for starting something new and huge. Um, Think of this as the end of the growing season. Pull out all of the old roots, clean up the garden in preparation for the next growing season. 
tend carefully to anything that you want to continue to grow in the coming cycle and cut away anything that you don't. All the toxic relationships, the one-sided friendships, the bad habits, release it all so that you can be ready to hit the ground running when your new cycle begins. And I know this has been a lot of information, but it's really so useful. We can learn so much and we can plan the best times to start new endeavors, not just within your personal year cycle, but once you're familiar with the basics of numerology, you can find your power days, weeks, months, you can set yourself up for the best possible outcomes. And of course, this isn't bulletproof. There will always be circumstances outside our control. Free will counts for a hell of a lot, and we can do our very best. We can do everything perfectly and still be sabotaged by outside influences, but we definitely don't want to sabotage ourselves, and that's where having an understanding of numerology can be so beneficial. If we can understand our own numerological chart and its cycles, if we know what to be on the lookout for in terms of opportunities and opposition, we are going to be positioned to respond much more quickly and with much more confidence. And it can help us to see patterns and messages from spirit, from the universe, and from our guides. So I really hope this has been helpful. I hope you'll look a little deeper into numerology as a practice that you can incorporate into your craft, just as you might with your astrological chart. There's a lot to uncover and it can be really beneficial. So thank you for being here with me today and for this whole year. Enjoy the full moon in Aquarius tonight. I know I will. Uh, It's the fourth supermoon in a row and it's the last one of the calendar year. So if you can find a little time to go bask in that energy tonight, definitely treat yourself. Find me on social media at at middleagedwitch or online at middleagedwitch.com. My name is Eli and this has been the Middle Aged Witch Podcast. content of this podcast is not a substitute for direct, personal, professional, mental, or medical health care and diagnosis. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only.